Start to spread it podcast. Welcome to the Celtics Reddit Podcast. My name is Ben Vallis, a.k.a. Brutal Gash. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you're doing well. Joining us, as he often does, from across the Tasman there in beautiful New Zealand, it is Joe, a.k.a. No Scrooge McFly. Joe, what's going on? I'm doing good. I noticed you've downgraded me to usually does as opposed to just does. If it makes you uh, if it makes you feel any better, I gave the exact same line to, to Jackson a few days ago. Yeah, well, Jackson is just, <laughs> let's be honest, because Jackson's not here tonight, you know? <laughs> we can talk some shit about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jackson's the Time Lord of our podcast. He's just <laughs> mysteriously absent. He's already off doing a future episode. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jackson's already breaking down the trade for Clint Capella. <laughs> How's things, man, anyway? Um, yeah, pretty good, pretty good. She's cooking over here. Absolutely cooking. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, no, things, things are pretty good, man. How about you? Uh, can't complain. I'll be a little less tense once this trade deadline situation is over, which we are going to get to in a little bit. But first, I think let's get to the Celtics 123 to 115 win. Uh, look, a win's a win, but man, kind of ugly at times, right? This game. Uh, what did you think of this one, Joe? Well, I... As we've sort of discussed a few times, um, I have a mantra that now that the game is won and lost in the third, mm-hmm. as in fact it was tonight. Um, so I thought I'll go and review the third quarter. And the third quarter was probably quite emblematic of the game. Um, you can just tell when we're not being handsy in the paint, Ben. We just got to, <laughs> we, we just got to, I, I really, I don't know. You, one of the good things about this podcast is you sort of get to kind of workshop some theories, you know, that sure. that maybe are true, maybe are not, but you know, some of them might stick eventually, and a couple of them sort of have. But one, my my one right now, I really want to, I, I really, really, really want to to see if there's a correlation here. It's sort of between the amount of fouls we generate, um, I guess maybe prior to the to the last two minutes of a quarter. I really want to see us fouling teams, you know, right up to, I want to get South getting our five fouls, mm-hmm. you know, um, I want us to be physical and I want us to be made known. And we definitely weren't like, man, Trey Young, you just kind of got to knock him on his backside. Um, it was turning the corner pretty easy uh, on those pick and rolls. I mean, he's Trey Young. He's really good. But um, it was a little like, I actually kind of wondered why Jalen wasn't on him. Um, yeah. I thought Jalen might have been a better matchup than Gordon. I don't. I don't know why that was the defensive matchup. Jalen's just a bit, bit quicker, but physical, bit more physical. Maybe he just bites on his fakes too much. I don't know. He did jump on on Trey Young defensively later in the game, and like very active, like hoppy legs, um, doing mm. a great job of staying in front of Trey. Whereas early, like it was Gordo, and and yeah, and Trey just led the Hawks on this first quarter, maybe first half three point explosion. Kevin Herter was getting in as well, uh, hurting for a couple of threes out there. And they've got some snipers on that team, and we haven't always been the most proud perimeter defending team so far this year. It's sort of being etched into our identity. And uh, yeah, it took us a while to to sort of catch up with the Hawks around the perimeter there as they were zipping around some of those screens. Yeah. Yeah. No, they... um, I mean, 
in the third quarter, what was killing us was this double screen, um, like a, as a as a double screen and roll almost. Um, and Young was pretty effective uh, getting out of there. One time he split it, went straight down the lane. Um, I I don't know. One thing I'm going to start trying to watch a little bit more, but um, as I, I understand, an in, in NBA has sort of helped help defense. I think what's supposed to happen is that you know when you have a pick and roll, right? Okay, so imagine our pick and roll in our heads and our um, point guard goes over the screen chasing the ball handler mm-hmm. and our um, and say Daniel Tice is going to, maybe he might step up to the level of the screen or he might be just 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 back, like icing the screen. So yep. these these are concepts we're familiar with. Absolutely. Um, I'm not expert. This is just me trying to teach myself. I, uh, right? I set my pick and roll defense to ice in NBA 2K like before I, <laughs> before I start any game. Very, very familiar with the icing. There you go. <laughs> So when you have ice, right, obviously the roller, that once the roller makes contact with the screen, they can go behind, you know, and while the um, the center or the, the big man is occupied trying to contain the ball handler, the, the big man's on the loose. Mm. And so what they'll normally be is there'll normally be somebody stationed sort of um, over on the other side of the court. There'll normally be a shooter on, on the opposite wing to where they're running the screen and roll, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. So my understanding is that guy there is supposed to come in and tag the roller. And um, I noticed that, well, it seemed to me that Tatum was guarding Herter out on the other side there. So uh-huh. obviously, you know, that that's a threat, you know. I mean, he's Herter, you know. He's he's red fury. But he's. Um, it seemed to me that Tatum wasn't picking up the role man. And I wondered whether that's a scheme thing or whether it's a, whether it's just it's sort of situationally specific. You know what I mean? Is that what we do all the time? So it's just something I'll watch maybe a little bit more just to mm. try and deepen my understanding of the team. Does yeah, that make sense? Yeah, it does. And and you mentioned it being situationally specific when in a specific situation, it's Kevin Herter, the ginger ninja out on the perimeter there. Um, he's he, a he ringer, throw- sir. He's a ringer. <laughs> <laughs> he can throw him in. He can throw him in from deep. So I mean, I guess that is a specific situation where Tatum might leave the big man alone and, and stay on the yeah on the ginger ninja as we're calling him now. Um, <laughs> trying to think of something that rhymes with ranger that is in any way basketball specific. It's not not coming to me. Um, let us know. The ranger if- room hanger. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, we'll take it. In lieu of anything else, we'll take it. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you got to stick to those guys. That's a, that's a pretty formidable young backcourt. I um, am always surprised by Trey Young. He was throwing them in from very deep, like a couple of steps over the half-court line pretty early in this game. And without Marcus Smart there, you mentioned earlier, Joe, like someone just kind of needs to, you know, put him on his ass. And <laughs> we didn't have that enforcer in, in the game today. And... We just had to. I was going to say we had to get it done with like pure finesse, but we didn't do that either due to all the turnovers, particularly in the fourth quarter. Um, but I was worried. I was worried that without Smart there, that Trey Young was just going to own this game. Uh, we're also deprived of the the rematch, right? After mm. the infamous. Well, it's not really infamous, but you know what I'm talking about. The Marcus Smart uh, step, step over, over <laughs> right? Yeah. I wanted to see those guys going at it again, but um, you know, fortunately, we could play one of our worst games of the last couple of weeks and, and still win against a a team like the Hawks. And, you know, that's that's the regular season for you, I suppose, to put it yeah. bluntly. Yeah, I, I mean, clear, I think either Smart or Walker could have played if required tonight, mm. but clearly the decision was made that they, that they weren't really required, you know. Uh-huh. So, 
And yeah, I, I don't know. Like we do, we really need this two seed. I don't. I think we should be taking this quite seriously. Um, the two seed is going to be really advantageous, and we should be. By the way, at this point, we should actually be cheering for Philly to start winning some games because mm -hmm. uh, the best possible spot for Philly, in my view, uh, for us is in that fifth seed because we want them to be seeing Milwaukee in the second round. Yeah, sure. Um, and for us to get up into seed number two means that um, we get to play Brooklyn or maybe Orlando in the second round, but probably Brooklyn, I'd guess. Um, and that's a that's a good little good little run for us, you know. Um, yeah. So Celtics fans, stop bagging the Sixers. You know, <laughs> it's just so easy. They're so bad. They lost again today, and <laughs> did you see that clip on RNBA where like three Sixers all attempted to post up on the one possession? I was gonna <laughs> click on. I saw the post. I didn't click so on. Good. I saw. I saw Simmons um, treating. Jimmy Butler like he was Ben Simmons. Yeah. <laughs> and just hanging off him. I was like, Butler's a pretty good shooter. Like, yeah. He's gonna he's gonna knock down enough of those. He's not he's not Giannis. Like you're not gonna get into his head like that. Yeah, so it looks like we're a game and a half behind the Raptors currently, so we're sitting not very comfortably in that three spot at the moment. We've got an exactly tied record with the Heat. They're sitting in the fourth seat, I'm guessing because of some sort of division divisional advantage there um, uh the heat are in the four seed because we've got the head-to-head -head against them uh okay there you yeah. go yeah. um but nevertheless it is very tight there and we need to keep winning games well uh, i guess starting to um cheer for the sixes is probably the wrong way to to put it but um we at the very least need to start um I don't know, doing some sort of rain dance equivalent to, to get a loss going uh, for, for the Raptors and, and the Heat and the Bucks are just way out in front there. There's, there's no point. No, although the Nuggies did get a good win on them a couple of days ago. So there you go. Yeah, that, with the Raptors, I sort of had a, I'm sort of starting to glance ahead at schedules and um, their schedule gets, they've got a pretty tough stretch at the end of March. Um, just I'm just going from memory here, guys. So, you know. I'm sure you're all gonna scurry away and look at the schedule and try and prove me wrong. But I'm gonna do but it from right memory, now. they had a western. They had a trip out west in late March. Um, that'll probably be where we catch them if we do. Um, I think we'll be. We'll probably like in this winning streak they've had. They've kind of beaten nobody except maybe the Thunder if you count them. Just mm -hmm. um, quite frustrating, you know. Like, um, yeah. it'd be nice to see them get knocked off. But I mean. Put it this way, I, I don't know that, like, I'm a big, like, I really like the Raptors, um, and um, even though there are rivals, but I do like them, um, and I, I'm not, like, I don't look at this win streak as maybe being fully representative. Um, I think we're better than them. I think, we're the, I think we're legitimately the number two team. That's how I, that's how I feel right now. Like, I expect us to be the number two seed, but one and a half mm -hmm. games is plenty when you're winning 70% of your games, you know, yeah. to, to take over, to overtake someone at one and a half games, you know, while they're winning 70% of theirs, you've got to go eight out of 10 and over. So we've got to win 16 of our next 20, mm -hmm. right. To, to overtake them, you know, so that, that's quite a, like, that's quite a lot. Like we want to be level with them. I think roughly going into the end of March, because our schedules, like, like most people, our schedule get, we get our trip out West. Um, after the All Star break, that's probably probably our toughest stretch there. If sure. we come through there and we're sort of within striking distance, you know, 
within if we've if we've held serve uh, with them, um, we'll be looking pretty good to 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 get ahead of them there. I think. So I, looking at the Raptors schedule now, and they've got a home and home against the Pacers coming up for their next two games, which should hopefully test them a little bit. Mm. Uh, a win win for us, and that I guess if the Raps lose at least. The paces with the double loss there creates a little bit more separation between the top four and the bottom four out there in the east. Mm. Um, but yeah, a bit of a more challenging stretch coming up there for the Raptors. And then they've got the Bucks towards the end of February as well, right around the same time that we've got the Lakers out west. So it's all, it's all kind of relative, I, I suppose. With the Raptors though, Joe, obviously Milwaukee are the most terrifying prospective playoff matchup in our future. The Raptors, while you're, you said earlier that we're you know, better than them, would you agree that they're the second most terrifying matchup for us in the playoffs? Or do you think Philly still take that cake? Yeah, I think Philly um, still, that still worries me a little more. Like, just we've seen them absolutely dominate us with, with, with the Raptors. I feel like, you know, we've, we've been in all of those games. Yeah. I, yeah, it makes sense. I, I don't know, but like, I, you know, I have a healthy respect for the Raptors and, and, would I favor them maybe in a matchup against us? Maybe slightly. I think maybe we're the better regular season team. They're a little more complete than we are, though. You know, like I, I, I keep coming back to holes in rosters. Do I, do I see the Raptors having any holes in their roster? Not really. Like, is there? They've they've kind of got everything they they've kind of got good players everywhere. You know, um, they can okay. play any kind of style. They're really smart. I love what they've done. I also feel like with the way that our young talent is developing, that we're getting to a similar point there where like we're seeing some really good consistent stretches and, and sample size of Hayward and Brown and Tatum and Smart and Camber and, you know, even Danny T is sort of removing any doubt about that position as well. And I feel like there's uh, a, a sort of a known completeness to the Celtics roster now. I think we can all agree on that, that we didn't know we had like even a couple of months ago, let alone the beginning of the season. Would you agree? Mm, I mean, Tice has been better than what we thought he would be. And I don't think any of us were down on Tice at the start of the year. We're all pretty happy to sign him, re-sign him. Sure, I, of course. I, I think the bigger cause for optimism is, I'm, I mean, I'm going to shout out Max Carlin again, um, but um, he's really got me drinking the Kool-Aid on Tatum. Um, and I think, Man, Tatum might be closer to Tatum might be closer to being a superstar than than Siakam. I just I um wow, that's a huge turn for you, Joe. Because nah, I... I what maybe what I mean by that is I'm just maybe pumping the brakes a little bit on what I think Siakam is. You know, okay. Um, because I think we get a little bit distracted by by points totals, and Siakam's like Siakam's a beast. Don't get me wrong, mm, sure, but. This is just like this is just total like opinion that I could happily change my mind on. I just feel like Tatum's shot making is superior, and um, ultimately that's going to be really what separates the two like mm-hmm. two players. It's it's going to come down to shot making. You know what I mean? And yeah. um, that's probably the reason why I think we've seen a lot of consistency from Tatum. Like we went over his splits, uh, I think, in the, maybe in the last podcast we did. You know, mm-hmm. and month by month by month by month, he's just getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Sure, and like, especially enough. since dotting the headband as well, right? <laughs> headband <Yeah>. Tatum. <laughs> I don't even like headbands, but man, if it works, you gotta it keep works. Going. <laughs> but do you know? Do you know what I mean? Like it just like oh yeah. To, like today in the third quarter, Tatum just looked like he was a boss. 
you know. Um, and um, if you sort of see 30 games of that for the rest of the season, you know, you, you're going to start to think, oh, wow, you know, maybe maybe Tatum is the guy in a series against the Raptors. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I wanted to do is tie it back to the Hawks game today. And yeah, the, the Tatum second half explosion comes out of the gates, 15 points in the third quarter of 67, 67% shooting. He played the whole third um, and he had two little spurts there, obviously right out of the gate uh, to begin the second half. Then he had a little stretch in late in the third quarter as well, where we had that Tatum in the bench lineup again. And like he just alphaed the shit out of that whole situation. Like he was, he was the man out there on the court. And you know, Trey Young's out there. He's a all star starter in the East, and yet Tatum was absolutely everywhere. And um, you say it all the time, Joe. Games are won and lost in the third quarter, and that was absolutely the case. It it took five minutes of, of Tatum uh, in the third quarter to decide this entire game. It was really good to see. Yeah, yeah. That that thirteen point lead. Was a re- you know that well that it sort of hung around twelve you know one another thing I tend to do is I say what sort of lead is this you know sometimes it's like a it feels like it's hovering around you it might be a fifteen point lead at any given time but it feels like it's hovering around the ten point lead mark yeah it really did feel like a like a twelve point lead you know that was hovering a bit that was just hovering around there and w- once you had that as sort of there's a sort of psychological dominance, I think, that sometimes gets established when you when you generate a lead through that period of the game. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of if you're the Hawks, it would have been really hard to believe that you were actually going to come back and win it. You know, and that's 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 actually real. That's actually clutch. You know, it's like that's actually one of the underrated or it's hard to define, but to me, that's actually clutch. It's like putting a game away in the third quarter, and mm-hmm. you know, we could have. We could all we needed to do was just really string like three stops together and scores and, and then we're up by seventeen and, and they're really done. But like the game was kind of always if you're a Hawks fan, and we've had very few times when we were Celtics fans, but imagine you're a Hawks fan. How would have you felt when we went up thirteen in the in the late in the third? Oh, this shit is over. Yeah. <laughs> we we can't punch them back as hard as they as hard as they've just punched us. Exactly. And the players, you know what it's like when you're playing. You feel that too, you know. Mm-hmm. You kind of—I mean, the NBA has momentum swings, but it—it it, it tends to happen, I think, when teams really regard each other as peers. Like the Celtics, you know, we might go down by 25 against Milwaukee or whatever, but we're like, no, flip. We're we're on the, you know, we feel like we're peers of for the of the Bucks, you know, on some level. And we just beat yeah. them in the playoffs two years ago, yep. so. I think that's kind of one of those things that happens in games, you know, and and that's why putting them away in the third quarter, or at least what we did in the third quarter was was actually like a, a kind of a little mini clutch thing. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. That, that That's where the game was won. And fortunately, you know, it's the, the Atlanta Hawks and they're, I think, the second worst team in the league. And that's why we can turn the ball over on whatever times. it was, three or four or five consecutive possessions at you know, arguably the most critical juncture of the game and, and still come out with a win on the road despite those circumstances. Um, like, we don't need to overanalyze this. Like, we're very good, they're very bad, and yeah. they afforded us a lot of mistakes in, in this situation. And it's it's the regular season. Um, you know, it is what it is. Dog days. <laughs> uh, user Leetspeak posted a tweet by Celtic Stats. Jason Tatum, 28 points. Gordon Hayward, 24 points. And Jalen Brown... 21 points combined to score 73 points on 52.8% shooting uh, and 50% from the three-point line. Uh, this is, I guess, what I'm 
getting at with this completeness. Uh, there's, there's more. I feel like there's more confidence in in the completeness of our team because um, you've mentioned that a few times, even in earlier episodes, Joe, that the Raptors really have that. Um, like, we, for example, we didn't know how amazing Jalen Brown was going to be, who, by the way, just won Eastern Conference Player of the Week. We didn't know um, how complete he was going to be, and we didn't know the, the jump that he was going to make. And, like, now we're in a position where we can make that, that assessment, and we can start to confidently say, like, well, I think we do have that completion for that team. And even, like I said, our, our worst position, the center, like people are saying, don't trade Daniel Tice for for Clint Capella. It's 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 more like there's certain s- scenarios where we're really at a, dis- a big disadvantage. Like we're really at a big disadvantage if Embiid is playing aggressively. You know, like he's Embiid. Like Embiid is. You talk about ceilings. Like to me, Embiid. Like I don't see Tatum getting past where Embiid is to be honest. Like, I think Embiid impacts a game massively, you know? Um, I don't know that Tatum can be a more impactful player than Embiid. You know, and that that's that's pretty hard for us to to counter. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's just a real vulnerability to us. You know, it's like we just go on these stretches where it feels like we just cannot get our hands on the pill, you know? The, you know, you give up sort of, Two, three consecutive offensive rebounds. It just—I'm probably biased. You probably got a, like a, you know, like a negative selection bias in your head. You sort of remember all the times we couldn't secure a, a loose ball or a rebound yeah. or something like that. Sure. But it does feel like we have a lot, man. Um, more than the average team, and I think that would bear out in our rebounding percentage. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. I, I don't have the stats in front of me, and it is unfortunate that the one guy who can secure the ball off the glass for us has a lot of flaws in his own game to the point where, you know, he could easily get played. I'm talking about Enos Cantor, obviously. He could get played off the floor in the playoffs, and, and like, Brad Stevens is going to have to make a decision if as to whether or not the the good outweighs the bad with, with Enos Cantor going into the postseason. Um, he does address that weakness, but uh, unfortunately, he opens us up to, to so many other weaknesses in turn. Yeah. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I, I, we're not 100% complete, but I feel like we are showing more completeness than, than at least I anticipated. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that's partly the... We sort of... I, I keep going backwards and forwards on this, eh? but who are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum? We don't know yet, but... We certainly know one thing, and that's that they're at least very good players worthy of, you know, um, $100 million contracts, right? Sure. And that's something that we couldn't have said for certain, um, you know, this time nine months ago or six months ago, right? Like, we still, you still didn't quite know, but they're sort of proven commodities now, or they've certainly established a, a real baseline. Um, yeah. So, um, I guess I am, um, much more comfortable with them as foundational pieces, maybe than I was previously. Hmm. Moving on to another potentially all-star wing, Gordon Hayward. Tell me, Joe, what did you think of Point Hayward in this game? It was like the first time we actually got to see official, like starting at the point guard, Gordon Hayward. How did you find him at that at that position? Well, like I said, I majored on the third quarter and. Um, Felt like Wanamaker played a lot of minutes in the in the third. He did and career high Trey, sixteen points. <laughs> and Trey Waters played a lot in the third. Um, so I probably can't 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 speak too much to the to the first half. I'd say as a general proposition, though, um, I'm very pro Hayward being the point guard. But 
I kind of had a little mini rant about him. Um, I think he needs to be a real scoring threat. He needs to be a scoring point guard when he's a point guard. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas when he's playing with the first unit, he can be like a Gordon Hayward type point guard. Yeah. So maybe he finds it a bit more natural. You know, the role that he was in tonight, where he is playing with other really good players as the point guard, and those sort of correct basketball plays, quote unquote, are actually the correct basketball plays when you're kicking it to Tatum or um, or Brown or guys who can really shoot. You know. Yeah, Danny Ainge did an interview with, I guess, the Boston NBC media crew before the game, and there are quite a few good quotes to come out of that. Mm. A few we'll get to when we talk about trade scenarios in a little bit. Um, But one of them was that he said, you know, Gordon Hayward has been the player to make the most sacrifices so far this this year, along with Kemba to some degree, in in the sense that they're allowing the Jays to develop and, and to get their touches and to get their shots off. Um, obviously to the detriment of their own ability to do the same. Mm. Uh, and that Gordon Hayward had by far made the most sacrifices to the point where Ainge wanted to see, and he stated this in the interview, he wanted to see Hayward um, be more selfish and make less sacrifices and, and sort of take the reins a little bit more and, and get up those shots and be more scoring and be more assertive. So whether or not that actually translates to a Brad Stevens implemented um, strategy, and we do see that to come out of Hayward, um, that remains to be seen. But uh, I mean, probably it's safe to say that that conversation is being had by the Celtics and maybe in the direction of Gordon Hayward. I would assume so. I think we're just clearly such a better team when he's aggressive. Just clearly, 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 you know? So you would have to assume so. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's great to see he's been reasonably consistent, but man, he had a stinker against the Sixers. Um, he did. <laughs> he hit one very important shot. The one shot that he hit yeah. was very timely, but uh, yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah, we just need, you know, I just want, I'm not so actually so worried about the about his stats. I just want to see consistent aggression from him, and I feel like his aggression is, is inconsistent. There are some times when you really do forget he's out there, eh? Yeah, but where, where his role is defined, I said this on our last podcast, is um, he's a stabilizing force and an example of that today was late in the fourth quarter the score got to 105 to 103 we're up two hawks had come all the way back after that that very good tatum third quarter and we saw consecutive hayward buckets there where we needed them more than ever um like back to back hayward buckets i think they're sort of you know mid-range pull-ups classic hayward stuff and then on that third possession they sent this trap uh double to, to Hayward and he made a really nice play through Cantor. He sort of um, threw it into to Cantor at that, that zone mm-hmm. free throw line um, at the nail, as you call it, um, who then got the ball out to Tatum for a three. And it was three plays in a row. I know we said the game was kind of won in the third quarter there, quarter there by, by Tatum, but Hayward made sure that we weren't going to lose that sure. game. And that's what I'm talking about. He is that stabilizing force. And like that, that fadeaway jumper he had over Embiid in a, in a timely moment in the last game against the Sixers where he hadn't played well. Um, one thing he does do consistently is is um, show up in these moments where we, we absolutely need, I guess, a, a veteran presence, which is maybe the one skill set that the Jays still lack, at least consistently. Yeah, I mean, he's a really good decision maker. It's just sometimes the right decision is the wrong decision, you know? <laughs> Can um, you explain that? Well, if I'm playing pickup with five evenly talented guys, the right play and that, in those in those scenarios, like when I'm attacking a closeout, is a little different to if I'm playing with two dudes who can't shoot. 
you know, throwing the ball, like the correct easy, it's it's the easy play, right? Like you beat the closeout, you pick up the help, some guys, the help defender, if you help one pass away, which apparently you shouldn't do, but I was kind of always taught to, um, you know, if, if you help one pass away, okay, well, the next pass is going to be obvious, right? You kick it to the guy that you just, who's marking, you kick it to the guy who's now open, right? Well, yep. they're open sometimes for a reason. Sometimes you just got to flip and beat the next dude and put some pressure on the rim. You know, like sometimes it's the wrong play and that like I wouldn't teach a kid to do that from the start, but in that context, it's the right play. Mm. Okay. You know? Yeah, I get you. I just feel like sometimes he, he, he just needs to get one step deeper into the paint. He just needs to get to the restricted area. And sometimes he gives the ball up at the free throw line. Um, and, or just, you know, a half step over the free throw line a lot of the times. Uh-huh. And there's a big difference also between that. If you're semi, if you're Shemi Ojale, right, and you've got a guy who's closing out with one step as opposed to closing out with two steps, that's a lot of extra time to get your shot off. Like it mm-hmm. makes them better shooters. It means that the, the angle of the pass is coming more from the hoop. And you know what it's like. Like if you've been, if you've ever shot around, right, what's an easier pass to catch and, and shoot? It's one that's come straight from the hoop, right? Sure. You know, as opposed to when the ball swung, which is still mm-hmm. good, but it's it's like it's oh, a little yeah. harder. It's, want to catch it straight on on your chest, essentially. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's really nice, right? You know, and and so if if Hayward can get a little deeper on his penetration and then kick out from there, I just still I think even then that's better. But that's that's a mentality shift because it's like it's forcing the issue a little bit. You know, I feel like I've just made the same point two podcasts in a row. So apologies <laughs> to loyal listeners, of which I'm sure there are many. There are so many. Yeah, dozens. Uh, I, I feel like with Hayward, obviously he's got some sort of lingering nerve issue in his foot there as a result of the of the ankle injury. And so far this season, obviously I have I have no idea if this is the case, but um, that I think at least in theory there's been some correlation between days where he feels good and that nerve pain isn't bothering him and the days where he is aggressive and 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 penetrates further and makes those kickouts like you're describing there joe i felt like this game against the hawks was the first time where he needed to be aggressive but he didn't look as good and as springy as he as he has on his good days but he needed to do it anyway because of what was asked of him in his role as essentially the starting point guard of the team he he was being more aggressive and he was you know getting to the line and he, he was penetrating but it did look a step slower, I thought, than he has on those on those best okay. days, and and yet he was doing it anyway. I guess, which was good to see. He had one um, play. He had one play that was great, though. I think it was in the first quarter, where like Young picked him up. Oh, it was probably on a sc- switch on a screen and roll, and he just bodied him. Eh? And like, <laughs> like Young went flying under the basket support. It was awesome. Before we move on to some trade talk, let's just get through some misc notes here. Let's clean up some of these scraps I've got on my run sheet here. Ketamini666 wrote, a win is a win, but man, that was one of the worst fourth quarters I've seen in a while. The Hawks played hard, blah, 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 blah. A lot of of those turnovers were just mind-numbing, which we touched on earlier in the fact that they're a terrible team, we're we're a good team, and while that was frustrating, ultimately it didn't matter because we just executed the Hawks um, down the stretch there. Big part of that, Grant Williams, user MakeMyDay23, writes, probably had his best game, speaking of Grant, obviously, of the season tonight, made a clutch basket at the end of the game and was active on both ends. Late buckets to seal it, leading score in the fourth. Oh, those were my notes to append that comment. <laughs> he had some late buckets in the fourth <laughs> and he was the leading scorer in the, in, in the fourth quarter for the Celtics. Um, 
Grant Williams now at, at the very least back to back like great games, very impactful off the bench, um, very Marcus Smart like off the bench. Um, expand. Do you want to expand on that, Joe? I, I feel like you've got some good things to say about. Oh, I've got Grant Williams as a player. Grant Williams is a full real player, and he gets a tough whistle, man. Like yeah, there, rookie, I guess. There was one play. There was one play like he um like he he got he caught he got caught with Teague on a few switches in the mm-hmm. third, and um there was one play. He had his arms up. He was moving backwards. Teague just drove his shoulder into him, and they called a foul. It was the most bogus <laughs> thing. Like if someone had done that to me in pickup, I would have told them to get lost. Nah, I'm taking the ball. Go away. You know, like, nah, not a foul. Like, I would have been that vehement yeah. about it, you know? It was such a bad call. And I just sort of, he's just going to be a way more effective player when he isn't forever dealing with the disrespect of these underqualified <laughs> NBA officials. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get over that rookie hump, I guess. Um, maybe in the playoffs, they're a little bit more generous. Probably not, though. We'll, we'll see. Uh, we touched on Brad Wanamaker and his career-high 16 points, topping, I, I guess, his career-high 15 points from the previous game against the Sixers there. Good to see. <laughs> nice little run there from from Brad Wanamaker. Uh, we saw some Tremont Waters in this game, and one of the benefits of the trade that we'll talk about in a moment is that if it were to happen, that we'd see potentially Tremont Waters getting his contract converted into a, a legitimate you know, full-time NBA contract, and we'd see more of him. User Still Talking wrote after the game, there was a lot of chatter here about calling up Tremont Waters as someone who would just walk in and be a passable backup point guard, someone who could just keep the offense flowing. I think he can get there, and tonight was a weird one, but tonight he demonstrated that he wasn't already at that point and languishing over there in Portland or up there in Portland, um, which I kind of agree with. It wasn't the best game from Tremont Waters. He was getting... Like, he's ass-kicked on defense by all the guards, like Teague, Herder, Trey Young, anyone he tried to defend, I feel like they were just blowing by him with ease. And while he did have that really nice half-court, you know, steal, pocket pick on, on Trey Young, uh, I didn't think it was the best game for, for Waters. What do you think there, Joe? Yeah, I mean, uh, from what I saw, I mean, he got stripped really badly by Jeff Teague. Um, from what I saw, that was... Uh, that wasn't great, um, but I'm, 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 I'm Waters curious, you know. Like I think, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not. I'm, you know, like, who knows what he really is. Most of these guys don't amount to anything. Like I've got hopes for Simi um, but you know, the odds of him being a ten-year NBA player are pretty small, you know. Um, but you know. It's the same with Waters, you know, but um, I'd like to see what we have there. Like maybe that's maybe that's a good way to can kind of conclude that point. Mm. Like I want to see what we have in Waters, and almost any trade that we do will be at least a two for one, just because we have to aggregate sure, salary. Of course. So, um, so any trade that we do make should probably give an opportunity for him. Um, and and as I'd say, it's well, I, I'm I could care less if Brad Wanamaker went out in a trade. So, um. So, so yeah, it, it, we may well see a lot more waters after the trade deadline. Yeah, I hope so. I agree. I, I do want to see what he could become. And he's shown a lot of promise. And, you know, perhaps today's game was just an anomaly. But um, and hopefully we've got plenty of time to, uh, to see. All right, folks, we're going to take a very quick break. We're going to compose ourselves. And we're going to be back in a moment to talk some trades.
right, folks, welcome back. The trade deadline is this Thursday, February the 6th at 3 p.m., or that's 10 a.m. Friday if you're from our lovely part of the world. Now, just to get right into it, Joe, the the trade that's been kicking around on, on Celtics Reddit and Twitter over the last day or so is one of Tice or Cantor plus Romeo Langford and Vincent Poirier and likely several draft picks or at least one decent-ish draft pick to Houston for Clint Capella. That's that's the broad high-level overview. I think it's a little bit more complicated than that. We may have to get a third team involved there, but that's that's the skinny. Yeah, there'll be have to some. Then we have to someone else to take roster spots. I'm pretty sure. I did a little count up. I'm pretty sure Houston, if we took Capella off them, would have 14 guys, mm-hmm. right? So, um, so we can't send them. Right. You know, we can't send them multiple players really. Um, although they might cut somebody to make room for for Langford if that's what. But focusing on the outgoing and the incoming for the Celtics, what's your sure, what, sure, sure? Like it can be. I'm sure that can be accomplished if if that was agreed mm, to, right? Sure. What are your thoughts? Mm, um. Um, if we can get um, if we can get Capella without giving up anyone north of Tice on our sort of including chart, Tice, um, uh, no, not including okay. Tice. I think we need. Well, I think you need two bigs, man. Like it's just really hard uh-huh. to do, you know. Like if 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 Tice and if 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 Capella's playing thirty minutes and Tice is playing eighteen, or Capella's playing twenty eight and Tice is playing twenty, I think that I'm really that's comfortable a great rotation spot. I agree. It is, yeah, and um, I, you know, it's just Capella rebounds like crazy, man, um, and I just I covet that for our team, I really do, um, so yeah, so if that was if that was the trade, I would be okay mm-hmm. with it for sure, and and I mean probably prefer that it not be the Memphis pick, I'd probably maybe prefer our pick, yeah, or the year. Bucks pick maybe. Uh, yeah, they might not settle for the mm. Bucks pick, you know, because because our one's got a chance. This this is actually a really interesting thing, by the way, because there's so many teams. If we did like a little, I'll just run the standings again. But I'm pretty sure there's like three of us that are tied right now. If we go league wide, I guess what I'm saying is there's a really big difference between um, like the Bucks are going to be the top pick, the Lakers are going to be the second pick, right? And then everyone else, so from the Raptors. Through to um, well, Raptors through the Nuggets. So right, that's one, two, three, four, five, six. So that's like the difference between um, the thirtieth and maybe like the twenty-third pick. Uh, no, maybe say the twenty-eighth and the twenty-third mm-hmm. pick. Yep. Right? Like, there's a big difference between sure. those. So when when you know you know where the Bucks pick's going to land, okay? But the Celtics pick is almost there's almost like a mini lottery happening. Because um, it could it could really conceivably like there's quite a wide range on it, you know. So I think that makes it quite interesting because the Celtics could be really, 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 really good, um, and still you know and still have the twenty third pick in the draft just because there's so many good sure. teams. Yep, and that's right. That's right so, around sorry. that sort of Grant Williams Thibel range in in last year's draft. Like you can get some quality talent that can immediately go into your totally. rotation at that point in the draft. Totally. Like I, I I'm not correct. I mean. You you get good. The twenty seventh pick is sort of famous for sort of often turning up huh. good talent, um, but yeah, I mean, I any 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 selection that you go up has got to be better. Like I hear Zach Lowe making the argument that the Raptors shouldn't care about you know acquiring or sending out a a lottery pick because they've got this history of finding guys un you know as undrafted free agents and turning them into players. And I'm like, I very strongly disagree with Mister <laughs> Lowe there. Like. 
every pick isn't you know it's that's 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 the difference between you know apparently the Celtics won a Tyler Hero yeah. right last year you know and we couldn't we had to sell for Romeo Langford and there was one pick in it like that that really 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 matters you know so um any 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 time any opportunity you get to jump the queue is definitely of value it's not of negligible value it's of very real value you know um yeah okay and so that that's some discussion on the trade package and how do you feel about a potential incoming clint capella do you think it like i guess the real question is does the addition of clint capella and the the subtraction of, of those few players that we mentioned and ideally canter rather than tice does that make us a contender well, what do you see as the Celtics? What What do you see as the barrier between the Celtics and contention? Right. Well, now? I mean, we talked about the most glaring weakness earlier, Joe, and that is, you know, um, retaining possession or, or you know regaining possession off the off the boards. That's the the most glaring hole that we need to address. And the one guy who does solve that problem for us is is shit defensively. Um, Clint mm. Capella is better defensively and. Uh, vacuums, vacuums up rebounds. So can make probably slightly better decisions on the roll. You know when he catches the catches the yeah catches a pass. On yeah, the although there was an interesting post on the sub by that same user again, still talking. I, I don't have the post in front of me, but he basically says that Capella as a roll man isn't that much more effective, or isn't any more effective than our existing big man rotation. Obviously, that's a very narrow sure. look. It's only the pick and roll offense side. That's of fine. He just it's just as long as he's not like markedly worse. Sure. That's not why we need him. You know. So why do we need him? Yeah, we need him to get our hands on the pill, man. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I still think there's. I still think we're probably. A, that's our. To me, that's our biggest weakness. Um, I, I agree with. Um, I agree with the J King diagnosis of us not having enough shooting mm-hmm. on particularly outside of our core guys. Um, so that's a like Capella doesn't necessarily address that, but I feel like, you know, as the rotation tightens, um, if it gets down to, you know, like let's say Capella was and would have an eight, he'd be, you know, then Tice would be like at the bottom of our eight man yeah. rotation. Um, I feel like we're a pretty good shooting team you know, when, when it's nut cutting time. So um, I'm maybe a little less concerned with that, but it does, it clearly affects us. Like we do go through some real dry spells with the bench. Yeah. I think I, I mean, if we can, if we can do it without giving up Tice and without giving up the Memphis pick, I'm super for it because there's not mm. all that much to lose. And just as user Squim Jim has written on, on one of the many threads here about this, this trade on Celtics Reddit, they write, I mentioned this in the Woj thread, but one thing that isn't being discussed regarding Capella is that he has a tradable contract when it comes to acquiring another superstar totally. caliber player. Yeah, totally. He is in that totally. sort of 15 to 17 range. I think it climbs up another mil or so per year for another four years, but he's basically on that Marcus Smart range, uh, which would be potentially totally. very good. Yep, we do need someone else in that slot, you know, um, for sure. If it, like, it, it, it's just not a bad contract, you know. Like I just, I sort of feel like if we have him on our books, it's 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 great, you know. It's that amount of salary with less roster slots. I'm not so worried about the luxury tax thing. If the luxury tax is an issue, he's still going to be a tradable contract, yeah. you know. So, um, I, yeah, I think I think that's a I think it's a good way to go. I think um, an alternative variation of the um, of the trade, uh, or of just a different way to acquire trade. I, did you see what Danger Cut? I don't think so. No. 
So there's this there's this trend going right now. If I say talk about step up mm -hmm. trades, are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Okay, so um, think of like you know that story about um, how a guy traded a paperclip for a house. Oh yeah, redpaperclip.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that he, that he had a website address, <laughs> but that makes sense. Anyway, so the idea, right, was he traded something of pretty small value for something of incrementally more value, right? So there's there's this thing called the step up trade, and um, it, it's it's a little uncertain, I think, whether the NBA would actually allow it, but it goes like this. So you can, if you acquire a player in a trade, right, you can send them out straight away again, okay, um, as long as as there's no salary attached to them. So if I if we were to trade, so the example that that Danger Carts had is um, he said, all right, so step one is you trade um, Cantor plus Semi-Ojale to um, OKC for Andre Robeson, mm -hmm. okay? So Cantor plus Semi, like off the top of my head, is probably something like seven and a half million. And Andre Robeson, well, maybe it's eight million. And Andre Robeson, say something like 11 million make something like okay. that right so okay so the reason why okc would do that trade is because it gets them under the tax this year because they're probably not contending but they've got a quite expensive yeah. payroll so so that's potentially why they might do that okay um so we've got andre robertson now okay now are you, you're aware of the rule that you can't you have to um take back at least 75 percent of the you have to send out 75 percent. i think the rule is of the yeah. salary that you take something back like in. that again something learned from something playing like 2k that. manager mode but yes go sure. on <laughs> sure sure right so if you trade say you've got seven million dollars like let's just let's just imagine these aren't the exact figures but let's just assume it's that um canter and simi make seven and a half million bucks between them right and andre robeson makes 10 so you're allowed to do that trade right then let's say Robeson, you want to trade Robeson out, right, for Capella. And I think Capella makes something like, makes something between 12 and 13. But like the max, let's just use quick maths here, quick maths, Joe. So you can add another like 3.3 onto that, right? Onto So I'll just articulate a little bit better. If Robeson makes 10 million bucks, okay, the maximum incoming salary that you could take back if you traded Robeson out, right, would be, um, would be approximately thirteen point three sure. million dollars, okay. and let's just say Kenta makes, let's say Capella makes that. Okay, so you'd be able to do that. So, you, so this would also solve Houston's roster spot problem because it would be a one for one trade. Mm -hmm. Okay, makes sense. And you obviously you'd attach a pick um, to Robinson to make that happen. Um, so whether it's, I mean, what I do, what I do, two picks for that. Mm, I, I don't know, man. Maybe. Um, I just. Yeah, we, we, we don't need them. Yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, or at least we don't need them right now. We need them later. But does that make sense, like how the, the step-up kind of paperclip type trade works? Yeah. yeah. So that only works if you trade Robeson just by himself. Like if you would say, okay, now we're going to trade Robeson plus Carson Edwards, not allowed sure. to do that. I get you. It has to just be the player by itself. Now, it's not clear whether that's like whether the NBA would avoid that and say, look, essentially there's just been one big trade here and you're violating Even the Even though it's technically legal. Um, even though it's technically legal, but I wonder whether to establish that, like it just hasn't been tried before, mm. eh? So I wonder whether to whether to establish that it's a distinct trade. Maybe that have to be occur on different days. Um, that might be something that that might work. Um, Do you think Danny Ainge like follows Danger Card on Twitter? He doesn't. Danny Ainge, get onto it. <laughs> get on it, mate. Uh, maybe one of his burners does. Um, there's still hope yet. But um, what what I like is that it gives us more than one avenue to acquiring Capella. 
addressing what we've established is a huge glaring weakness within our team and potentially fast forwarding our um or at least opening earlier our window of of contendership so it's exciting it's exciting times i'm not going to sleep very well for the next couple of days i don't know about you joe but i'm a big (laughs) roll over and refresh twitter every couple of hours during the night kind of guy i do look forward to waking up in the morning on the big days yes. like draft day free agency day and the waterfall um, of information deadline day <laughs> yes so yeah, good great. it's just like he's lying there in bed going Scroll. oh yeah this is the best <laughs> very satisfying day um one one other guy I, um how do you feel about um i it's bogdan you know there's mm. boyan and mm-hmm. bogdan how do you feel about the sacramento bogdanovich and the rumored rumored trades because i think to all that that the talk seems to be that all that would need to get that done is just expiring salary plus a good pick. yeah uh so a couple of things there i I suppose the the other glaring weakness for the celtics is maybe bench scoring a little bit and and firming up that that playoff rotation in in terms of the three or four guys who come off the bench there uh bojan bogdan bogdan bogdanovich definitely addresses that um, he is starting for the Kings at the moment. They've kind of rejigged their starting lineup and, and, and Buddy Heald is coming off the bench. So I, I don't know, like maybe they value him a lot more than we would be willing to give up in a potential trade. Um, would I like to see it done for the right price? Absolutely. That would be a, a huge boost to to our bench going into the playoffs. And I, I think that could be a difference maker, especially against a, a team like the Raptors. What's the price? What's your What's your top dollar? Well, Romeo Langford and and on that, uh, another Reddit user, Whitetail27, says, I feel like people are heavily undervaluing Romeo in these trade proposals. He is way too young with too much potential to be considered in trades, in my opinion. Um, I think we've got a lot of young, promising talent and we can do away with a little bit to firm up our, our top eight there. Um, so... In terms of the price, Romeo, I, I would like to see included. I, I don't have the trade machine up in front of me right now, so I don't know what gets it done money-wise, but essentially I'd be willing to give up a similar package that we'd be looking to to pick up Capella with. So Cantor, Poirier, Romeo Langford, bunch of picks, and maybe Wanamaker, but I feel very attached to Semi, so I think that's where I draw the line. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'd trade. I would trade Simi for this Oof. guy. I, I have an attachment to Simi, and I really hope he makes it as an NBA player. And even better if it's mm-hmm. with us. But um, I suspect it won't be. Um, the I'm not a Romeo believer. Um, on record of that being from the draft, I just don't think he's going to amount to anything. He just doesn't pass the sniff test to me. He doesn't do any of the things I really like in a player. So um, for that reason, man, I'm look. Look, Angel's a good drafter. Um, but he drafts James Youngs and he drafts RJ Hunters. Like, man, if sometimes you just got to cut bait. And I think, I think sometimes we actually know a little sooner than there's this, there's this thing that happens in the media where they just love to tell us not to overreact. And I'm getting, I'm getting on a soapbox again. (laughs) After last year, I'm now like, I totally distrust the media. They were like, I, I need to go find maybe some quotes to back this up, but the sentiment that I remember around the Kyrie thing last year is like everyone needs to calm down. Everyone needs to everyone needs to not panic. Now I was probably taking it on board, but you weren't from memory. You know, you're pretty panicked about it. That stuff was real, man. And like just generally speaking, like the Celtics looked like crap from preseason mm-hmm. last year. We all knew it, and we were all kind of like we're in denial, you know, from memory. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I remember we were ten and ten, right? And then we're but. 
But we all had disquiet about how that was going. We didn't think that was meaningless, right? And I don't think that it's meaningless that Romeo Langford hasn't been able to earn minutes. Like, even when even when they're shorthanded, he can't earn minutes. I don't think that's meaningless, man. Um, that doesn't mean I'm going to be right, but, I mean, I guess, you know, all I do is to say this. I say that to say our instincts are often a bit more right than we maybe give them credit for, you know? Yeah. And um, and I'm willing to go out on a limb and say I'd rather have six months of Bogdanovich, right, than Langford, who honestly he might not get he might not even give his he might not even get his third year option picked up. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw Carson Edwards play seven minutes today. We saw Tremont Waters get uh, an amount of time, and you know, uh, the whole time, all the while, Romeo Langford's sitting on the bench. Some might say to preserve his trade value, Joe. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. <well. laughs> Also, yeah. Daniel Tice coming out after a nasty ankle injury to do the uh, I still have trade value walk back out to the bench just to show all the prospective GMs out there that he's fine. He can still be traded for it if the price is right. So good to see. Good on you, Danny boy. <laughs> Danny, uh, he'll take one for the team. Just uh, a couple of final points on potential trades because here's the last podcast we'll do before all of that goes down. Chris Forsberg, as part of that interview with Danny Ainge, asked what the team is searching for most at the trade deadline. And, and Ainge says health and admits the team will examine adding bench depth and notes that the team has maybe too many young guys, but said he won't make a move for the sake of making a move. Um, bench depth, we talked about Bogdanovich there. Is anyone else that springs to mind, Joe, as far as a quick ad, even just in terms of, you know, how you see some of those trades go around the league where someone will just bounce a, you know, a second round pick for a, for a, um, like an Alfred Payton or, uh, you know, someone sure. in that sort of role? I mean, on Sacramento, I'm a known lover of Harry Giles. And I know that doesn't, he doesn't fit, <laughs> he probably doesn't fit the health or the younger or the old or the veteran sort of criteria sure. at all. But I've been intrigued with him for a long time. I'd uh, I'd love to have a crack yeah, at chemistry him. bump as well. He's, you know, good mates with Jason Tatum. Mm, yeah, I, I think he can really play a... Eh? I reckon Giles is, it, yeah. I mean, there'll be reasons why everyone's writing him off, right? But, um, but I've just always, I've just had a little play basketball crush on him for ages. Yeah, I think that's a good one. Uh, with the exception of Capella, which has come up recently, the answer to like how can we improve our big depth has always been, well, we can't. There's no options out there. So the Capella thing, you know, that's sort of come out of nowhere. That that does address that a little bit. Um, but other than that, um, I've said this on a previous podcast, but Bogdanovich or an equivalent um, spurty, hot-shooting player to come off the bench and sort of help us there with our, with our bench scoring. And, you know, in that, in that Tatum with the bench lineup or that uh, Hayward in the bench lineup that we see usually early in the second quarter, to bolster that a little bit, I think could be a, a huge improvement to our team going forward, particularly in the playoffs. Um, before we wrap this one up, did you see Joe this Slam magazine YouTube thing featuring Tatum Brown, Smart, and Hayward? They actually photoshopped Kemba Walker into like the the magazine cover. He wasn't there, but um, it's pretty good. Like different, obviously, angle from from what we've discussed so far on the podcast. It's just like a good, friendly, get to know the guys in your team interview. There, have you? Did you catch that at all? Yeah, yeah, I did. I did see that. Um... It was one of those ones where, to be honest, I was sort of like... <laughs> Some of the questions are you can, It's quite. It's just quite clear that like Hayward does not hang out with Oh, yeah, dudes. absolutely. They were <laughs> like, know? you know, what does Gordon Hayward listen to? And they were like, we have 
no idea. We don't know. We, <laughs> and we don't the first know. thing he said was country and then music. He did, and then he gave the classic, like, oh, you know, I listen to a bit of everything. Nobody listens to a bit yeah. of everything. Like, <laughs> everyone has their favorites. Yeah. Empire Strikes Back soundtrack, probably. Uh, user Eisenhorn76 writes, this is really fun. You can see that Gordon enjoys these guys, but that he's really just a quiet gamer dude which I think is true. It's fine. No judgment, right, Gordo? Like, be you. It's fine. No one needs you to be, you know, the best of buddies with anybody. Just do your thing and keep being a savvy vet. There must be, like, in real life, and you know what this is like. Okay, there's two major things that sort of change, you know, like your relationships with your friends. And what are those two things, Ben? Uh, music tastes? <laughs> well, no, no, <laughs> that's, no. That's a huge impact. Two major life events that start to separate you sure, from your friends. Sure. getting married and having kids exactly yeah. and Robin, uh, Gordon Hayward is two for two on those counts <laughs> uh, I guess maybe that's why he and, and Tatum get along a little bit as has been reported in the past um, yeah. you did get the sense that, that Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart sort of share like a maybe a, a connection over their bachelor lifestyle I don't know about you I, I kind of picked up on that vibe a little bit for sure for sure I think um I thought, yeah, I thought that was pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. I, I bring it. It seems like it seems like Smart's like the funny guy. For it sure. seems like he really is the most. You know, it seems like he is the cool, cool yeah. guy on on the, on the yeah, whole team. No surprises yeah. there. I, I bring it up because if you if you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend going to watch it because like we absolutely adore these guys and we don't often get to see them from that perspective. So it really is a a fairly candid. Like they do get thrown some pretty basic um, pre constructed questions. Um, but it is pretty candid and it is pretty loose and casual. So if you haven't seen it, I definitely recommend checking it out. If you just Google Celtics Slam Magazine YouTube, you'll, you'll definitely find it. Um, all right. I think that's going to do it for this one, Joe. Um, you know, we talk about the Hawks game, a pretty mediocre, nonchalant game against the Hawks. We talk about some trades and then there you go. One hour of, uh, of podcast time. Well done. Wow. <laughs> look at that. Yeah. 145 megabytes later. <laughs> We're done. Uh, yeah so definitely gonna wrap this one up thank you for tuning in and if you like what you're hearing and you want to support the show go ahead and rate subscribe and share the podcast with your mates uh, and you can also find us on twitter at celtic Redipod. now very quickly joe with the magic the hawks and the thunder coming up in the next week before our next pod very quick predictions very quickly three for three we need it we need to go through sure. three like, we're, we're just in a red hot race and um I, I hope the uh, boys will play with appropriate urgency. I'd like to think that the Hawks game was like a little wee, little wee rest. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think we'll get the Thunder like we got the Grizzlies. I think they're similar teams, uh, like little feisty, you know, eight seedish uh, Western Conference teams. And I think we'll, we'll take them down in, in a similar fashion. All right. Thanks, Joe. Love your work, mate. We'll see you guys in a week. Until next time, go Celtics. Peace. Peace.